Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. And it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is the word of God. We come to this passage today entitled, Walk in Light. We are currently on the subject of Christian living in the world. Those who have been following every week, we are working through the book of Ephesians, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, every week. And we have been spending the past few months working through the book of Ephesians. And we are right now here in chapter 5, verse 8 to 14. And this part of the book is on practical application of what the Christian life should be. But I want to make sure that you have the context of this passage. We have to understand the passage plainly in context as well as comparing scripture with scripture. So this letter was written by the Apostle Paul during the time AD 62, when he was in prison in Rome. He was under house arrest. And the first three chapters, there are a total of six chapters in this book. The first three chapters is consistent of doctrine. It's mostly doctrine, teaching. And then the last three chapters consist of behavior or practice practical application of the doctrine. So there's doctrine in the first three chapters and then practical application of those doctrine in the next three chapters. So we have already finished the first half on doctrine and now we are in the second half on practice. In this second half of the episode, the Apostle Paul covers three main areas of the Christian life. The first area that the Apostle Paul covered was in chapter 4, where we actually saw Christian living in the church. We have to have unity in the church. And that was covered in chapter 4. And then after that, the Apostle Paul switches gears a little, where he actually now shows Christian living in the world or in the society that we live in. And that is here in chapter 5 that we are studying today. And then later on, in chapter 6, we will actually see Christian living in the family. So those are the three contexts of practical application that the Apostle Paul is covering. The first was in the church. The second is with regards to the world, to the society that we live in. And the third is with regards to our family. And we are right now in this second part on Christian living in the world. How do we live in the world? How do we behave in the world as Christians? And today, we come to this part entitled, Walk in Light. The Apostle Paul is going to cover some basic truths again, but from a different angle. This is something to be noted of the Bible. The Bible actually repeats itself not literally, but it actually tells the same story from different angles. Take, for example, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. All the Gospels are telling the same story, but they're all telling it from different angles, different narratives. They refer to the same events of the same period of time, but look from a different angle. The authors of the Bible, they know the importance of repetition. 
the importance of repeating so that we will be impressed upon us those truths. Sometimes we have one ear in here, one ear out there. We don't take it in. We don't take heed of the word. And the Bible repeats itself from different angles so that we will take heed of the truth. And it is also to remind us that truth cannot remain as just mere knowledge. Truth has to live itself out in our life. We need to be transformed by the truth that we actually study from the Bible. The Bible doesn't literally repeat itself word for word, but rather it deals with the matter from a different angle. So at the end of the day, we can actually step back and see a more complete picture. It's just like, again, the Gospels. The Gospels tell the story of Christ and Him crucified, but from different angles, there's a different narrative every single time you read it. And every time we read it, it is precious because they're all God's Word. It comes across as though it's new to us, even though it's the same story of Christ and Him crucified. So what we have seen here in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has already shown us last week that we have to walk in love. That was in verse 1 to verse 7. Now he wants us to cover the same subject, Christian living in the world, but from a different angle, to walk in light. This is to provide us again a more complete picture and to reinforce what he is trying to teach us here. So how do we walk in light? How do we actually walk in light? It begins by knowing Jesus Christ by faith. Look at verse 8. It says there in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What does light mean here? What does it actually mean that you are light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. Light here is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 12, and you don't need to turn there, I, I can read it to you, but if you would like to, feel free to turn to John chapter 8, verse 12. The Lord Jesus Christ came to this world and said, I am the light of the world. The Lord says, I am the light of the world. He is saying that he came to reveal God and his truth to us. The Lord Jesus Christ came to reveal the will of his Father. And truth is only found in Christ alone. Christ came to reveal God, God the Father. The more we know of Christ, the more we know of God. The more we know of Christ, the more we know what God's will is for us here in this world. Christ came as light in this spiritually dark world. The Lord Jesus Christ, he came to save us. Without Christ, there is no salvation. There will be no salvation for any of us. We will have no hope living in this world if Christ Jesus did not come to this world. And it is only through the special revelation of God's word alone that we can actually understand the way of salvation. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He comes to bring salvation to sinners and those who come to trust in him. They are united in him they are united in faith and they become children of light. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. What does it mean here? We are light. We are sons of the light. 
We are sons of the day. We were once of darkness. We were dead in our trespasses. In the same book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the curse of this world. We were in bondage to sin. We were under the control of sin. We live in this world that is filled with darkness. And we thought that we had control over our destiny. We actually thought that, oh, we don't need God. We don't need religion. Religion is like a crutch to those who actually need it. We have science. We have our own intellect that we can rely on. Why do we need God? Oh, how often do we hear that, don't we? But yet, when we actually come to study God's word, we realize how sinful we are. We are so helpless. We can't control when we were born. We can't control when we die. We don't even know where we're going when we die. But when we actually have faith in Jesus Christ, we realize that our sins have been imputed unto him. When he died on the cross, he paid for the sins of his people. Our sins require punishment. We need to be damned eternally into hell. All of us have told lies. All of us have sinned. All of us have stolen. Have you honored your parents as you ought to? All of us fall short of the glory of God. So our sins need to be punished. And Christ, when he died on the cross, it's as though he died for our sins to pay for our sins if we have faith in him. And his righteousness is counted as ours and that's how we can be holy and acceptable to God. Otherwise, how can God accept us? We're all sinners. If God is perfect and pure and holy, he cannot accept a sinner like us, even if you have just told one lie. One lie is sufficient to damn us to hell forever. Because God is pure. God is perfect. You can't say, I'm better than that person. No. One lie, one sin is sufficient to damn us to eternal hell. But Christ died for the sins of his people. Through grace, he showed us undeserving sinners what it means to be reunited with the Father in heaven. It is all by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And even that faith that you have in Jesus Christ, that is a gift from God. You didn't say, I choose God. God, you are below me. I get to choose you. Who do you think you are? You get to choose God? But God, from eternity past, has already seen that you will be born one day and you will be coming into this world. And he, out of his good grace, has chosen you out of this world. That he said, I will die for your sins. And we saw that in Ephesians chapter 1. Christ chose us. God chose us before the foundation of the world, not because of anything that is good in us. There's nothing good in us. God chose us because we are sinners, because of his grace, because of his love towards us. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is only faith in Christ that we may be reconciled with God. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. 
and the darkness did not comprehend it. So having faith in Christ is what makes us children of light. When you turn from your sins and trust in Christ alone, Christ being light has now imparted that light unto us. We are now counted as His. We are now adopted into God's family. And we are therefore now considered as light, children of light. So my question therefore to you, my friends, are you a child of light? Are you a child of God? Have you repented of your sins and trust in Christ alone? That his death on the cross and his blood that has been shed has cleansed your sins. If you have not let today be the day where you turn from your sins and trust in Christ, because without him you have no hope. You have no hope in this world. Are you still living in your darkness? Are you still living as though you are in control of your own destiny, your own life, as though you are God? Repent, my dear friends. Repent and believe. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his name and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. We were once of darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. John chapter 8, John chapter 8 verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. When we repent and turn from our sins and have faith in Jesus Christ, we will have the light of life. We are children of light. It is like a candle. When you have a candle that is lit, you bring it close to another candle that is not lit, that flame, that light is passed on from one candle to another candle. You discover that light is being passed on. The, light, the second candle obtained its light from the first candle. And the second candle itself is light now. Similarly, when sinners turn from their sins and trust in Jesus Christ, they are united in Christ by faith. They are now children of God. They are children of light. But they themselves are now light. Because they are light, it is therefore not possible for them to behave or act contrary to the character of light. Light and darkness do not exist together. You cannot force light and darkness to coexist. You cannot. When you bring in a lamp into a room, darkness will be dispelled. But now we are light. We are told to walk as children of light here in verse 8. Are you behaving like one? Are you acting like children of light? Can someone actually see from your behavior that this person is different? Or are you just like those in the darkness? Are we walking as children of light? And that is the challenge to us here today. Walk in light, it says there. But what does it actually mean to walk in light? What does it actually practically mean? We have seen the word walk used previously in this letter. And we have seen this in the earlier chapters. If you look at chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
And then similarly, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So to walk, what does it mean? Based on all these examples here, it means to live a life, to live habitually, to carry out your life as children of light. The Apostle Paul reminds the believers of what they were before. You were children of darkness. You were darkness itself. But now you are light. Therefore, walk as children of light. Behave as children of light. Shine and don't allow darkness to encroach upon you. We are told to be light of the world and salt of the earth. Are we truly behaving and acting like that? What does that involve practically, we ask? How do we go about living a life of light? In verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Walking as children of light involves doing what is good, what is righteous, and what is true. These are things that are described as the fruit of the Spirit. When we repent from our sins and trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, the Holy Spirit then dwells in us. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells with us. We share in the same Spirit. The Spirit of God acts as a seal, as a guarantee, showing that we now belong to God. It's just like when we get married, we wear a ring to show that I am betrothed to this other person. The Holy Spirit that is in us is that seal, is that guarantee to show that we belong to God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it actually says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you are now sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are now sealed with the Spirit that dwells in you. So when the Spirit dwells in us, we are now children of light. It has to bear fruit. In Galatians 5, Galatians chapter 5, it tells us the fruit of the Spirit. Many people even remember the Sunday school song. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9, it mentions three things goodness, righteousness, and truth. It basically represents the fruit of the Spirit that we ought to have when we have repented from our sins and trusted in Jesus Christ, when we are regenerated as children of light. Those are fruit of the Spirit. What is it meant by doing good? God is good. We are not good. And this is one of the things that many a times when we do outreach at MIT, you ask them, how are you going to heaven? Many people say, I'm a good person. 98% would actually tell you, I'm a good person. I do good. And then you ask them, how do you define good? What does it mean to do good? Is good relative? Is your good and my good different? 
No. Good is absolute. Good is based on what God is. God is good. Anything that falls short of God's goodness is evil. So when we say to do good, it means that we have to do things that are pleasing to God according to God's standard. Our actions and our deeds need to be approved by God. Good works may be done by some people who are not converted, but they are only good in the eyes of men. They are not accepted by God because they have not submitted their life to God. They have not repented of their sins and trusted in Christ alone. They are full of self-righteousness. They do it. They do good out of pride. They do good so that people can see them. It does not flow out of a life that has been transformed by the Spirit. Good works should therefore be those that are of value in the sight of God. They must be done as a result of the inner change that has already happened with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Then what about righteousness? God is the absolute standard of righteousness as well. An action is regarded as righteous if it is an action that is morally right in the sight of God. We are all made in the image of God. That is why even the most remote person from this planet would actually know that it is wrong to murder. It is wrong to steal. Because we are all created in the image of God. God has written the laws in our hearts. We don't need a law to say, Thou shalt not murder, therefore you cannot murder. We know to murder is wrong. Because we have a conscience based on God's standard. God is the one who sets the standard of righteousness. Righteousness concerns our action. Your action and your behavior has to be righteous. Then truth. God is truth. God wants us to be truthful. If someone were to ask you, are you truthful? Are you trustworthy? Can you be relied upon? A person is reliable when he is trustworthy in his words, in his actions. And that can only happen when we submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the fruit of the Spirit such that we can say and we can do what is in accordance to God's will. So we put all these things together. Good, righteousness, truth. These are just three examples of what is called the fruit of the Spirit. It is a singular, the fruit. It doesn't say fruits. What does that mean? It means that these are just examples of what the fruit looks like. There are so many things such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There are so many things that you can list. All of them are fruit of the Spirit. You ought to have all of these attributes. These are all attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember that we are currently in the practical section of the epistle. We are here in this part of Ephesians chapter 5, and there are a lot of things where, oh, you have to be good, you have to be righteous, you have to be truthful. There are a lot of things that you have to do and you have not to do. But we must not forget the doctrines that were taught in the earlier chapters. The fruit of the spirits are behavior and actions that are a result of what has already happened within us. Our good deeds of being good, being truthful, being righteous and things like that does not earn us any merit to be accepted by God. God doesn't want any of your good works. Nothing that you can do can contribute to your salvation or your entering into heaven. 
There's nothing that we can do. In fact, God says that your works are like filthy rags. And it is only by grace through faith in Christ alone that we are saved. All our good works are not worth anything in earning our way to heaven. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. What does it say there? It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So salvation is truly a gift of God. Our faith in Jesus Christ alone, even that faith is a gift of God. We are children of His because He has showed us His grace and His mercy. And it's not because of any good works that we can do that will earn our way to heaven. But instead, we do good works because the Spirit now lives in us. The Spirit bears fruit in our life. And that's why we do good works. We do righteous works. We do truthful works. A tree is known by its fruit. A banana tree bears bananas. A mango tree produces mangoes. A healthy tree produces healthy fruit. Similarly, in the Christian life, if you have spiritual life in you, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. Therefore, the fruit of the Spirit that dwells in you ought to be seen in your life. If you're truly converted, you should have the fruit of the Spirit obviously being lived out in your life. And there are times when you see a tree growing and you see that the tree is not very healthy, the tree is not well. It may actually bear fruit, but the fruit doesn't grow. It's just small. Or sometimes the fruit may actually completely just drop off. As Christians, we have spiritual life because we have faith in Christ. The Spirit of God lives in us. Spiritual fruit is bound to be seen if you truly are saved. But what if the fruit of the Spirit does not grow? What if the fruit drops off? Something is very wrong with your Christian life if that happens. In our Christian life, we ought to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our fruit should therefore grow as we grow in our walk as children of light. Our fruit should bear itself as we grow healthy as children of light. When a person is converted, the Holy Spirit in him gives him holy desires. You no longer have the desire of this world. Before you were of the dark, you were of darkness itself. You were part of the world. You were enjoying yourselves, thinking that you are truly in control of all things. But when you are saved, the Spirit of God gives you new desires. You no longer enjoy the sinful things that you used to indulge in. Instead, you are now full of joy. You are full of peace. You're full of zeal for God. You desire to know God's will. You study God's word. You come to church regularly to hear the word being preached. You invite your friends to church because you want people to know the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. But what about now? When was the last time you invited a friend to hear the gospel? Some of us here have never even invited 
anyone. We don't even have any concern for the lost souls who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You have never even shared the gospel with anyone. Remember when you were first converted? Remember when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ? You remember your zeal? You remember your joy that you had? You remember how your hearts were just flowing with God's goodness? You want to share the good news of Christ with everyone that you encounter? And my dear friends, the danger right now is that your light might be getting dim. Just like an oil lamp. In order to keep that oil lamp burning, in order for that light to continuously shine, you need to trim the wick. The wick is what supplies the oil to the tip where it burns. And as the oil lamp burns, the wick accumulates soot or char. You have to remove that soot. You have to remove that char so that the oil can flow freely. So that the light can continuously burn in that lamp. Similarly, with time, there is a great tendency for Christians who have tasted the goodness of God to grow cold, to grow lukewarm. You no longer have that zeal that you once had. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse, 13, verse 16, it says, Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't like lukewarmness. That is why here in verse 10, the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 10, as children of light, we need to be finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Put in another way, there is a need for you to constantly learn what is being taught in scriptures. There is a need for you to constantly learn doctrine. There is a need for you to constantly be present to hear the preach word. There is a need to constantly search scripture. The word of God reveals to us what is pleasing in God's sight. If you do not know what is pleasing to him, then you cannot live in a way that is pleasing to him. Because we are light, we need to constantly, we need to constantly ensure that that light is burning bright, and the oil has to flow, flow freely through the tip of the wick. For light to burn brightly, we need to cut away the burnt end that is hindering the free flow of oil. We therefore have to put off the old man and put on the new. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your former conduct, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Did not the Lord Jesus Christ himself actually say, if your eye causes you to sin, dig it out. If your arm, if your hand causes you to sin, chop it off. That is what you need to do to have drastic surgery, to cut out any part of your life that is hindering your spiritual growth. We ought to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christians must constantly grow in knowledge, constantly grow in grace. Truth must come into us, and truth must transform our lives. So my dear friends, do not harden your heart. Do not resist the working of the Holy Spirit in you. Repent of your sins today and walk as children of light. We move on to the third point. How do we walk in the light? 
It involves separation from darkness. In verse 11 of Ephesians 5, it says, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Separation is a clear teaching of the Bible. There is the, that is the defensive attitude that we ought to have. We don't wait until we are in sin before we have corrective actions. We have to have a defensive attitude to avoid sin as much as possible. In, First Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Separate yourselves from darkness. That is a clear teaching of the Bible. Do not fellowship with works of darkness and workers of darkness. You know that these are works of darkness. You know that these are sinful deeds. You ought to put on your defensive guard. Don't indulge in them. Don't tempt yourself but instead separate yourself from them. Do not have fellowship with them. God does not want us to perform acts that are contrary to our character as light. We are in the world, but we should, but we should not be of the world. God also does not want us to fellowship with those in darkness. We are told specifically here in verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Works of darkness are regarded, are regarded as unfruitful. They are not beneficial to us, and they are therefore shameful. These unfruitful works of darkness are contrary to what is good, are contrary to what is righteous, are contrary to what is true. When you understand this in context, verse 12 speaks to us of all the things in darkness, things that are done in secret, things that are shameful. God declares that all things of darkness are unfruitful to the children of light because they are inconsistent with the life of faith. They are bound to harm you if you ever take part in any of them. So examine yourselves. Examine yourselves concerning the things that you do, the company that you keep. In chapter four, verse 17, it says, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to, to work all uncleanness with greediness. That is what we were before. We were of darkness. We had earthly desires. We had sinful desires. But we are now children of light. We are light. We shouldn't be behaving like that. We should separate ourselves from those of darkness. But what does that mean? Do we live as hermits? Do we just go and live in a monastery? No, God wants us to remain in this world for a purpose. And that purpose is that we may be light of the world. And that is where we also need to have an offensive attitude. Read verse 13 here. It says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. The purpose of us walking in light is to shine in this world so that we can expose darkness, expose those who are in darkness, 
so that they can see. The Apostle Paul, when he was converted on the road to, the, to, to, to Emmaus, he did not retreat into a monastery. Instead, he went deliberately seeking out people to preach the gospel to. We ought to have that same attitude. The Apostle Paul has set the example and he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We must live in this world as children of light so that the light of the gospel can go forth to others who are still lost in their sins. That is different from being with them. That is being different from being part of them. That is different from engaging them in sinful behavior. No. The Bible warns us about those. In fact, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Christ Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Be in the world, but do not be part of the world. Let your light shine in the world so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. There's nothing wrong with having non-Christian friends. But do not become one of them in actions and in desires. Instead, be of good influence to them. Live a life that is pleasing to God such that when they see you, they actually sense that there is something different about this person. Bring them to hear the word of God preach. And one day when they are converted, praise be to God that you are being used by God to draw souls into his kingdom. Ensure that your light does not go dim, but instead it is shining brighter and brighter each day. We have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. The fruit of the Spirit should be growing in our life, and we should be able to show that to the rest of the world by being light of the world. The Apostle Paul then closes this section by quoting some words in verse 14. In verse 14 it says, Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is not a quote from the Bible. The Apostle Paul is not quoting any part of Scripture here. Instead, he is actually quoting an ancient baptismal hymn. A song that is being sung by people. People at that time, they knew this hymn. And this quote is a reminder to us that we were once dead in our trespasses, but we are now alive in Christ. Should we therefore not rise and shine? Just as Christ is the light of the world, we are to shine as light in the world. Have you become sluggish in your faith? Have you backslidden? It says, awake, awake, my dear friends. It is time that you repent. It is time that you turn from your sins and come to Christ and cast your sins upon him. 
and say, Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Return to your first love. Return to the Lord Jesus Christ. Separate yourself from darkness. If you walk in darkness, you are bound to stumble. Do not allow the light to become dim in your life. Fan the flame, remove the soot, and allow the oil of the Holy Spirit to flow freely in your life. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things on this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, those are not from the Father, but it is from the world. Do you love the world? If you do, the Holy Spirit is not in you. You are not a child of light. Repent and believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will be a child of light. Come to Christ. Come to Him in faith. He will give you light. He will set you free. In summary, what does it mean to walk in light? It begins first by knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Without faith in Christ, you will never be children of light. And when we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit then dwells in us. The Spirit gives us holy desires. It enables us to live a life that is good, righteous, and true. And as we walk in the light, we ought to separate ourselves from darkness. We got to separate ourselves from darkness and shine as light of the world to expose darkness. And finally, we need to have vigilance and diligence. We must not slack in our Christian life. We ought to pray and serve the Lord diligently. Just as David had his mighty man who did great exploits, the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest son of David, he has his mighty man. Let us pray for more men and women who love the Lord, who live righteously because God is their master. Let us take this as a call for us to turn back to the Lord. Let us seek to know what is pleasing to Him. Let us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us stir the flame that is in us, that it may grow brighter and brighter each day. May God help us to do so.